0: So this is a uh, completely different week for me this week. Uh, I wanted to start off by sharing, starting with two things for you this morning uh, for us to recognize and kind of understand is this morning I was not planning on preaching. Uh, so this is the first time really it's happened, uh, but a friend of mine, Andrew Fuller, uh, I went to school with his brother growing up, uh, we reconnected up here in the Christ the King story, um, he was set to preach this week, and on basically on Thursday morning, uh, got the confirmation that his brother, other brother Matthew, uh, in Germany was in an accident, and uh, immediately had to go on life support, and uh, and he flew off Thursday to be in Germany uh, with his brother. Uh, that being said, I literally at ten oh seven as we were gathering, and some of you know I shared uh, with. Uh, the council and some other people I'd met with this week that we'd be praying for Matthew, but this is the update I literally just got at 10.07. Matthew continues to improve. Uh, he might be able to come off his ventilator as soon as tomorrow. Uh, everything is looking positive now. Uh, thank you for your prayers. And so, uh, Andrew and I have gotten to know each other just a little bit recently as we reconnected. Um, and so, I just wanted to pray for him this morning. Continued prayer. And if you think about it, Matthew Fuller, um, lift him up this week. The plan is based on Andrew, he wants to come out uh, possibly in two weeks and share the message that he had prepared uh, with you guys. And so hopefully we'll even get an update in two weeks from him, but real quick, I just wanted to pray uh, for Matthew this morning. Amen. So hopefully, hopefully uh, we'll get to see Andrew in a couple weeks and he'll be able to share just a miraculous story of how his brother got through this uh, and... Um, and and get an update for him. But uh, So how my week went is that Thursday morning really got the confirmation that that he was flying off to Germany and that I was going to preach, and uh, my week from Thursday was Thursday at an all-day conference uh, in Bothell, which uh, Thursday was kind of our first of really nice days. So to be in uh, a conference all day was... It was great. It was great, and you'll hear about some of the stuff that I learned. Uh, And then I came home, uh, raced home through rush hour traffic on 405 at 530-ish, which is horrible. I haven't been down south in a long time. I love Bellingham even more uh, now than I did before. And uh, we got through rush hour traffic, got home. Uh, We had third Thursday. If you don't know, we have a council of this church. We have a council of leadership that uh, kind of, aid me and, and, and encourage and develop me, and we develop each other in, uh, in the growth and life and where we're going as a church. I had a council meeting that night at 7.30 uh, until, uh, I don't know, I think we went close to 10 o'clock uh, on that night, and then I woke up Friday morning knowing that Friday immediately after school is was going to head down south for my wife's cousin's wedding, uh, which was going to be on Saturday, and so I had about, which was a glorious wedding yesterday and a fun time with family. I about what Heather said, about a four-hour window in the morning uh, before we had to prepare to take off. And um, I, I value my preparation time to deliver something to you guys. I mean, I spend a lot of time uh, preparing what I'm going to say, and I had four hours. God worked, and I wrote what, uh, what is a 30-minute message, five, five, six pages in three and a half hours. On Friday morning, God just totally spoke to me through the stuff that I had um, heard at the conference, the stuff with our refresh uh, series that we're in with this discipleship and and spring cleaning of our lives. And so uh, that being said, uh, I just wanted to say that when this all might fall flat on the floor, uh, you guys have grace for me and we have grace for God to just speak to you because no matter what comes out of my mouth God has the ability to flip it and, and have it speak to you uh, specifically, and I've prayed for that this morning uh, as well. And so that's how my week went. We got home last night at about ten thirty from the wedding. Um, when my kids came in this morning, they were just like, uh, you know, and that's kind of how I felt. Um, but but nonetheless, it was a great uh, a great weekend, and I'm excited. And I'm excited for what God has given me to. Uh, to speak to you guys today, what God's laid on my heart in a very unique way because I've never uh, done this in three and a half hours. So uh, here we go. Uh, so I'm hoping that today you also get a challenge from what I learned and from what God has given me, um, but uh, that we would all be heading in the same direction uh, uh, with our series that we've been looking at. And so um, I went to this conference in this training. And it got me thinking just about the discipleship piece, and, and you'll hear more about that training. But I had the opportunity earlier in the week, if I stepped back earlier into my week, to do some training uh, for myself. Um, I, and I did not get permission to share this uh, from my son. So when he returns upstairs, we can't talk to him about it. Uh, you guys are sworn to secrecy. But I had the opportunity to go to my daughter's volleyball game and went to her volleyball game, and uh, one of the... Kids on the volleyball team has an older daughter who is also, or older sister who's in my son's grade. And she was there and Colby and her sat together. In the entire volleyball game, she talked to my son. And my son Colby, the entire volleyball game was like, you know, like just wide-eyed listening to her every word. And, uh, and, it, and, it, and it, it took me back because I know my son. And I'm like, whoa, he's really paying attention to what this girl has to say. And as I step back, I look at my son, and he had a raggedy gym uh, sh- pants on, and he had, like, a shirt that was, like, two sizes too small, and he was wearing these old, really ragged shoes, and I was like, man, I really got to work on his game if he's going to start talking to girls, all right? So just to let you know, I've already had the talks that need to be had with him, so he knows, but... So I'm like, man, if he's really wanting these girls to talk to him, I, I gotta work on his, on his appearance a little bit. And so, but following the volleyball game, we went to ice cream. And all the ice cream, they, went, they all went to ice cream. Well, this girl uh, sat at the table, and, uh, and her mom went to go sit with her at this little two person table. And she said, the seat's saved. And I'm like, well, that's weird. And she comes back, she's like, yeah, that, she said, I couldn't sit with her mom. And I asked her who it was saved for, and she said, it's saved for Colby. Colby's my son, and so they sat and had ice cream together, and I'm like, man, I really got to get on top of this, so we go home, <laughs> we go home, and uh, we hit his room, and I had already known that a the, the s- s- lot of the clothes in there are way too small for him anyways, but he loves them, he's wearing them, so we just went through his whole entire closet, uh, and, and, and on the premise of just having that conversation with him, training him on like... Hey, you know, I saw that you were paying attention to her, talking to her. You know, this is it's basically another coming-of-age talk. Um, but uh, for even this morning, uh, all the way since we started to have that talk, Kobe has dressed nicely. Um, he's throwing, you know, nice jeans on and nice shirts. And he's like, man, you know, and he's totally taking a new outlook on this, and so, and I and I thought about that even as I was at my conference and as we were discussing this idea of discipleship and what it is or discipling. Um, I I thought about man, what is it like? What is it exactly? And 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 I was looking at it, and, and I, I think for us, other than it being way more serious than the idea of talking about uh you know appearance and in and, in and, and general hygiene with my eleven year old. Uh, for us, it, this idea of discipling somebody or showing somebody who Jesus is, I don't think much different than just training him on what we know. Now, in the case of Colby, I never really had very much game either, so he's kind of you know, on his own anyways. But uh, I thought about that, and I thought, man, with this verse that we— Talked about last week, this Matthew 18 or 28, 18 through 20. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so my thought is, man, if, if it's our job to, go and disciple people, to show Jesus who he is, how, how do we do that? Um, how, how, how are we going to live that? I mean, if that's what we're made to do, what does that look like? And so uh, earlier in the week, also, Cole, I was taking Colby to his baseball game. We were listening to a sermon. I forced my kids to listen to sermons in the car. Um, but we're listening to the sermon. He, ha, he was rolling at this analogy that, uh, that this uh, pastor used. And so I wanted to kind of change it to fit our culture uh, and, and give you just a, another example of this. So how many of you guys have been to a Woods Coffee? Almost everybody in the room. If you don't know, uh, Woods Coffee, you go in there and you have the uh, wood wood uh, plank countertops. You've got the industrial iron uh, shelves. You've got the aroma of coffee, and you have the uh, the the uh, you know lower lights and the the bustle of uh, hanging out and building relationships. You have the uh, line of sugars that are guaranteed to give cavities. Uh, you have you have the baristas that are working. You have all the chairs set up. You have the fireplace, and then you have the fireplace, and and just about every woods out in front of that fireplace. You got like four nice. Comfy chairs, and then you've got like a there's a longer chair where people come and do work, and, and and it's just set up well to succeed. And Woods Coffee has succeeded. I love Woods Coffee, like I said in a message not too long ago. You can go to any Woods Coffee and ask to speak to a pastor, and there's a pastor in there, uh, and you can speak to them. Um, but uh, but but it's true. It's set up so nice. But what if I was to then. Uh, come in, and instead of going after my $7 uh, mocha or latte, um, I was to go in there dressed uh, to play football. And I brought all my buddies in there, and we we're gonna do Turkey Bowl. If you don't know what Turkey Bowl is, that's like on Thanksgiving, you go out and play on the frozen ground before you go and consume all the turkey, you go and you just go at it with your buddies. So if I was to come into Woods Coffee with my football, and we were to just start throwing it around, and it, it, in, a, in a sense, it, Woods Coffee is not set up for that, right? It's set up for a purpose. Uh, and, and, it, and it's actually, it does that purpose really well, right? And so we wouldn't come in there and start throwing the football around and, and, and use it for something else. It, it, it has a function in what it's created for, and, and, and they've got a good niche at it. And, and we have a function, too. We have a um, a purpose of our lives, and if we were to operate outside of that purpose, it wouldn't be the most efficient thing for us to do with our lives. So, if we're going to, if the, and if that purpose is that verse in Matthew twenty-eight, the idea of disciples discipling or disciples making disciples, then we've got to figure that out, right? We've got to figure out now, uh, what am I supposed to do uh, with that? And I think often we overcomplicate it. We overcomplicate the idea of uh, making a disciple or discipling someone. Um, and how we do that is is that uh, we, we think about, well, who should we disciple? Um, or I, I feel the most common misconception that we have is that we have to find somebody who's so, so much wiser than we are uh, and understand so, so much more than we do. And then we've got to sit, under, sit underneath them with the structured uh, purpose and in, uh, in way that we go about doing it. We're going to open our Bibles every single day. We're going to pray for 15 minutes and we're going to, we're going to then have a quiet time. And, and that's how we disciple. Uh, and I think that uh, that's overcomplicated. All that stuff is great. You know, making a disciple... Um, by opening your Bible, yes, for sure. Uh, Making a disciple by praying together, by doing life together, yes, uh, uh, for sure. And I would say that it doesn't always have to happen uh, the way that we would think it does. Uh, I definitely think that when when you boil down to it, one-on-one is where the magic happens, like, Sitting down with somebody and actually talking about Jesus, whether that's a, a spouse or a friend or, or whoever, yes, that's where uh, you're most effective in it. But displaying who Jesus is happens on so many uh, different levels. And so uh, I think that uh, believing discipleship it happens anytime we intend, or discipleship actually happens anytime we intentionally Share the character of Jesus with somebody. That, that's our ultimate goal, is that somebody would see and experience Christ in a real way based on the decisions and choices that we're making in our lives. And I would say this, if we step back from that a second, uh, today you might not know why you're here. Some of you, uh, you know, it's maybe become habit or some of you are visiting here this morning. Somebody, somebody drug you here. So if, if you're not sure what disciple is or like if you're now you're thinking, well, man, uh, the person next to me brought me here. Are they discipling me? Like what's going on here? I want to say this. It's not, this is what discipling is. If, if, and if you've experienced it at all, it uh, comes out of the point of care that we believe here that, we do have a purpose and a meaning in our lives. And that purpose and meaning is following Jesus and that Jesus actually being the creator of all things and being the creator of each of us, we believe that a life lived in relationship with him is the best life you can live. So there's no ulterior motives. There's no, oh, well, if we can get them to church, because I tell you what, that's not the goal, uh, getting you to church uh, or having you come on a regular basis. The goal is that you would have a personal relationship with Jesus and that Jesus would change your life uh, in infinite number of ways. And so if that's you, that's where we're at. Um, I think that uh, of the disciples, and I think back over uh, how the disciples hung out with Jesus at this conversation uh, with somebody that I, 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 I totally respect, that uh, Jesus taught, uh, taught the disciples amazing things. His lessons that are in the Bible are, are unparalleled. Nothing I could ever say would compare to the lessons that Jesus taught. And just because it's the way my mind works, I think about the times where Jesus wasn't teaching to the disciples. The times that uh, maybe Jesus uh, was just hanging out in between the crowds and the teachings and all this kind of stuff. I think about those times. And I think about, man, I bet you there was some huge discipleship going on during those times. Because Jesus, uh, if, he, if Jesus taught one thing and then lived something else out, lived, lived out his life differently differently, then the disciples, I think, would not have their devotion to Jesus. That if Jesus in the crowds taught and taught and taught and taught all these lessons that were great with life, and then in between those lessons, he ridiculed the people, or that he, he, uh, he lessened people because of who they were, or if he just didn't even listen to the people that were coming to him, or if he didn't reach out in the way that he reached out to different people, when on the times that, you know, in between the teachings, I don't think that the the disciples would have saw that. I mean, people see that. If we say one thing and then live something else out in between the lines, it's fake. It's, It's not real. But we know that according to scripture, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus lived a sinless life and that, uh, and that, that life was lived uh, as the only opportunity for us uh, to be in relationship with the Father because it was given, that perfect life was given as a, as a sacrifice. And as uh, a, a couple people this week, uh, sh- they, they, they were talking to me, they were, I was like, man, what am I going to preach on? You know, it's, it's Thursday evening. What do you think? A couple people said to me, well, you know what you should do? You should just talk about the way that you do it, the way that you disciple people. You should just share all of the great things that you have done, the things that have worked out for you, uh, and, and give them a bunch of good examples of, of how discipleship or how you've discipled uh, uh, people in your life. And if you know me at all, that's not my style. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not one to to just throw out all these things that I do really well. Uh, If you've been here before very long, maybe even last week, where I say, hey, I'm the the one that's working through this stuff in my life. Jesus is speaking to me on this, so I just get to share with you. And so uh, I kind of threw that out the door, but as I went into my conference on Thursday, based on what people were telling me, these are the notes I had. Uh, How have you done it? Uh, What has worked? What does it look like for you uh, and what you're doing right now? Uh, what has worked for you and what hasn't worked for you? Throw out tons of ideas and examples. And so I walked into this conference on Thursday with those as my notes. And I thought, man, okay, hopefully the conference will just encourage me and pat myself on the back so I have some great material uh, to share with you guys. Uh, but God working the way that he does uh, through him in, in, in the record that I have of hanging out with God and, and having him speak into my life uh, he flipped it around on me as he always does. Uh, and uh, I went into Thursday's conference uh, with a hope to pad my notes, but I came out utterly convicted. I came out the other end of this conference on Thursday night, uh, you know, convicted and challenged, and a lot of stuff that I need to work on personally. And so, lucky for you, that has been my prayer for you guys. That you would be convicted, that you'd be challenged, that you would hear what it is personally that God is uh, speaking to you uh, this morning. And, and, and that's basically all I have to offer in that that is my hope for you guys uh, in this, that you'd be convicted and challenged and uh, in, in holding on to these ideas of cleaning things out in your life so that we can focus on this. So again, uh, but also this conference is something that I want to say a precursor to this. This is something for a sermon series we're working on for the future. And so you might hear some of this twice, which I don't think is too bad. Uh, uh, For me, at least, I could hear it probably 10 more times before I really start to implement and live it out in my life. So I want to challenge you guys uh, with that and that you might hear some of this stuff twice. And it's going to be a ways down the road. So actually, I mean, my prayer every week is always that it would make it to Monday morning uh, for you guys. Uh, and if it makes it to Wednesday, that's huge. Uh, so a year from now, we might not have to worry about it um, at all. But uh, if you hear some of this twice, uh, then, then great on you. Uh, allow God to speak that to you. Uh, another thing is, is there's no uh, fancy fill in the blanks. Uh, there's no uh, witty uh, comments in your bulletin for you to fill in. Uh, take notes. But here's what I want to say about that. Um, if you write something down, there's at least a 50% chance or better that you're gonna do it than if you don't. So if there's one thing that I say this morning that usually I only get about one thing that makes any sense that lands, uh, write it down, and then hopefully that gives you a a better percentage to live that out uh, in your life. Um, And so uh, I I wanna tell you a story, uh, and this is a story That uh, that it it goes along with uh, with sacrifice and and how we're supposed to live, Um, and this comes. The story comes just after Jesus has sent out the seventy-two. He sent out seventy-two people to go forth, uh, build the church, make disciples. and, and saying the prayer that I pray every day, Luke 10, 02, uh, for workers for the harvest. I pray that every single day except for Sunday because we're worshiping at ten o two. But I pray that prayer that God would send workers for the harvest. That God would send people out to do his work in his kingdom. I invite you to pray that prayer with me every morning at ten o two. But this comes just on the heels of that. Jesus sends out 72 and he prays for more workers. And then we see Jesus... Uh, we see that someone steps forward to challenge Jesus in what he's saying, and I would say that if you ever want a very quick lesson on what Jesus has for you, all you got to do is challenge him, uh, oppose something that he's doing, or, or challenge him in something that, he, you, that he's clearly saying to you, and he'll give you a very quick lesson on that, um, and he quickly shows that in this moment, that this person stepped forward and challenged Jesus. And maybe you've heard this story before. This is the story. It's the beginning of the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, we're not going to teach through the story of the Good Samaritan because oftentimes what I feel when it comes to the story of the Good Samaritan, we just want to be like the Good Samaritan, right? We just want, I mean, I just want to be more like the Good Samaritan and come, come to my neighbor's aid and all that kind of stuff. When in actuality, we're not the Good Samaritan. Jesus is. We're the guy laying in the road. So we're, we're not, we won't get into that today, but I want to focus in on what comes before that story. All right, I want to focus in on the first interaction with Jesus, what Jesus has with this expert in the law. It's Luke 10, 25 through 29, which will be up, uh, 25 through 28, which will be up behind me. Here it is. Uh, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. And so uh, we, we see this guy, he comes to Jesus, he says, just like the last story that I shared, the guy comes, the, the, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? This guy, same thing, comes to Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, come on, man, you know the lot this time, you're an expert, he's actually got it memorized, uh, and, and what we see here is that he actually reteaches it to Jesus. He repeats it which is a good tool as well. If you ever want to, something that I say to stick on a Sunday morning, go home and teach it to somebody else. Go home and tell somebody else what you learned. That's another step. Write it down. Take it home. Teach somebody else. There's two steps uh, that will help you uh, kind of uh, get into these things that we learn about. So uh, he teaches it back to Jesus, and, and, and then Jesus, being who he is, or at least who I know him to be, says, man, good job, right answer. Way to go. Now live it out. Now go and do it, right? And then the expert of the law being who I know myself to be, because I directly rate to this guy, he says, and I don't know if you caught it in there, he does what often I do. He says, well, he, he, he wanted to justify himself, so he asked, well, then who is my neighbor? And so as I've shared this with people, uh, a handful of people, between uh, uh, Thursday night when I decided this is what we were going to do, and then I said, well, you know, this guy tries to justify himself. He says, well, who's my neighbor? And the number one response I always get is, well, what does that mean in the Greek? Like, if we break down that word neighbor, what does it mean? You know, and that's what this guy's doing there. He's saying, well, Jesus, who's my neighbor then? Like, I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, I want, I, 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 and he's doing it in a way to justify uh, what he's feeling uh, that Jesus is saying. And I, I would challenge you to think: What if, what if Jesus actually really meant his neighbor, like his physical neighbor, the person next to him? And I would ask, because because for me. This is where my conviction entered in for me. Um, I mean, who is who's my neighbor? i tell you what I do, oftentimes, is I try to define it uh, myself. Uh, I, and I and I, and I well, you know, Jesus, you're up there, and I'm down here, and I kind of got a better sense of who my neighbor is. Um, and and for me, I define who my neighbor is as to where I'm already working, right? I define my neighbor as you guys. So I get to hang out with you guys. You guys come to listen to me. Uh, and uh, maybe you guys define your neighbor as yourselves. Uh, I define my neighbor as uh, the community as a whole. Like I'm going to be a big front runner and on on the on the block for, hey, we want to affect Sudden Valley and our neighborhoods and our communities. I'm going to do everything we can, like set up movie nights and fun stuff like that. And that's who I define my neighbor as. Or I define my neighbor as people that accept me, who think I'm a nice guy. Uh, Hopefully, I'm a nice guy, and not people just think that. But uh, but, who laughed at that? (laughs) Somebody laughed at that. I think I'm a nice guy, no. (laughs) But I often do that. I, I define who my neighbor is based on the places and things where I'm already working. And so I think to myself that, like, what if Jesus actually met my neighbor? Like, not my hypothetical neighbor. Like, well, hypothetically, it's you guys or, or whatever it may be. Or uh, hypothetically, uh, you know, man, if I, if I think of my hypothetical neighbor as somebody that I'm already working and already working, and then hypothetically, I'm killing it as a disciple, right? As a as disciple of people, I'm like, I'm nailing it out of the park. But I would ask that, and it's in my con, con, conviction for it, is that I found myself asking the question is, how can I have gotten to the point of pastoring a church without actually loving my neighbor? Like my physical neighbor. Because and when we see it, that's Jesus' command. That's a law. Like that's number one and number two. And actually Jesus says, they're equal. <laughs> so how could I have gotten into the position that I'm at without really loving my neighbor? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So how can I go and make disciples of all nations if I'm not even doing that across the street? Like if I'm not even just really loving my neighbor or reaching my neighbor. And this is the, uh, in a sense, the essence of a series we're going to look at in, in, in coming time. But this is kind of a pop quiz for us. This is kind of a, 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 a run through where you guys can be like, oh, maybe it's a little bit of a wake up call for us to, uh, to, to work through some of this. Uh, in, in, in coming up in a sermon series, uh, but for the most of us, we have six to eight people that live within eyesight of our house, and that 's if we even loosely define neighbor to not the person right next to us right i 'll give you the room to, to, to expand out six to eight people for us. We actually do have you know lots that they 're across the street neighbors and they 're on the corners. Um, but we have six to eight people uh, who who uh, touch the lots of our house and they would be called our neighbors and uh, I would ask you i 'm not going to have you raise your hand, but do you know the names of all of your neighbors the six to eight people that live around you and I thought, man, I nailed it i got like I got like four out of the eight, and in the room full of what was ministry leaders and pastors, like I was in the majority, m- majority, minority when I rose my hand for that. And so I'd ask you guys, do you know the, just the names? I mean, that's not like interacting. And you can actually, I've got a real estate lawyer as a father-in-law. And so when I got home, I was like, hey, uh, I hung out with him just on Friday. And I said, hey, give me the names of my other neighbors. You can look it up online. They're on, I mean, you get, it's crazy what you can find out online. So you can go home and cheat and figure out your neighbor's names. And then you'd be like, when we do the sermon, series, I got eight for eight, you know, if you want to do that. But that's not the point. The idea is, do we know their names? And do you use their names? Not like crazy guy and, and you know, uh, hermit guy that doesn't come out of his house. And grumpy old guy that lives at the end of the road, you know. Not that. Those aren't names. Those are just titles that we've built up so that we justify not knowing them and not loving them right and so I got a question for you right now I wasn't sure I was going to do this raise your hand right now if your neighbor your immediate neighbor is here with you boom oh hey yeah no we got one Paul you win the prize is um you can take one of the golf pencils home no I'm just kidding um No, but that's great. Paul's neighbor is here. Uh, But here's the deal. That's a lot of opportunity for us, right? If none of your neighbors are here right now, I would think that if you intentionally went after showing Jesus his love, his acceptance, uh, who he is uh, to your neighbors, we would have some huge impact in this community, in our neighborhoods right? It's not, about, it's not about coming here. It's about impacting lives. And so I would challenge you with that, that, uh, that we have a lot of opportunity to know our neighbor's name, use them, and then use it, for, use it to show them the kingdom so that they would experience what ultimately should be the number one most important thing in our lives. And that is Jesus and what he provides for each one of us. Uh, If you've been around here at all, you know I'm a big neighborhood guy. We've lived out here in Sudden Valley for 14 years. I would say that we haven't even been on mission that long. We've definitely been on mission for the last six, seven years intentionally in our community. And I only knew four of my neighbors, (laughs) four of the eight. And so, but with that, in Acts 17, 26, I want to encourage you with this. Acts 17, 26 to 28 says this. For one man, he made all, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him and uh, perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have been our, have our being. As some of you know, our own poets have said, we are his offering. And this is a huge verse in, in that if you break it down in its basics, that God has put you where you're at. This is early on, Acts First Church. People are going out with uh, intention and with uh, direct uh, purpose as to where God has placed you. And I would say that I know it to be true in my life, and a handful of you in here that I've gotten to know well of, that you feel the same thing. That God has purposely placed you where you're at. And this actually transcends uh, neighbors. This is where you work. This is definitely where you live. The house that you live in. Whether you're renting or you're buying. Whether you're on a three month and you're out. Or uh, you have no plans to move for ten years. God has intentionally placed you where you are at. To do the work of showing his love to the people that are around you. And in Acts, is, says it in that way that as our neighbors, who none of them are here, so we're safe to say, that as our neighbors in their lives reach out for something, that God has placed us where we're at so that when they reach out, we're there to grab hold of them and show them who Christ is by the way we live and the way we offer ourselves to be intentional, intentionally available to them. Church, if you want a place to start discipling or start showing people who Jesus is, start with your neighbor. Bring over cookies. Say hello. This is the time of year where people are outside more than any other time, especially in Sudden Valley. In winters, you think, I mean, your neighbor could could have died. and You wouldn't even know, right? But in the summer, people come out. I was told by somebody who attends this church that when I hear my neighbor's lawnmower, I run outside to talk to them. Like, what if we did that and we used their names and we, and we reached out to them to be available, right? So I want to challenge you that if you want a place to start, start with your neighbor. And not only that, this would create the opportunity for them to experience Christ, but we'd also have pretty cool Neighborhoods, right? Safer places for our kids because the people around us are knowing and experiencing Christ. More impact in our neighborhoods by other neighbors, right? So start with your neighbors. Start intentionally living on mission where you are at right now and where God has placed you. Let's pray.